down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the stream. I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. Hoping to be free, found a new home in the cemetery. A phrase that's gaining traction in today's field of grammar is a term known as semantic bleaching. And it describes how the meaning of words can fade over time. According to Samantha Enslin, a writer for Grammar Girl, there are three traditional ways in which words lose their meaning. One is when a literal sense of a word develops a figurative use. And the example she gives is the verb to milk, which originally meant to draw milk from an animal. But now, it's often used to describe the process of milking or tricking someone out of something valuable. Another way a word changes is by narrowing its scope of meaning. And she cites the example of liquor, which originally meant liquid, but now primarily refers to alcohol. And the last common method of altering a word's meaning is by broadening its definition. And she describes how the term embargo originally meant to prevent a ship from entering or leaving a port now pertains to just about any type of stoppage. So now, through the process of semantic bleaching, a word's once powerful meaning becomes diluted, or watered down, if you will, through repetition and overuse. I chose this discussion about the rules of grammar to segue into today's conversation about the happenings that occurred in Richland County, Ohio's Country Club Allotment Number 3 during the summer of 1949, because I've been struggling to find the right words to describe the events that transpired during that time. Sadly, I've discovered no single word or phrase with the potency or adequacy to best capture and convey the emotions from that heated season. Last week, we learned the names of the first four infants to die from that summer's fatal form of dysentery and shared the personal account of the Adkins family, who were the first in the impoverished neighborhood to bury a child. I wouldn't call it apathy, but I think it's fair to say that the local officials didn't seem to have a true sense of urgency when three infants, separated from less than a quarter of a mile's distance, died within three weeks of each other. Perhaps it was due to the location of the neighborhood in which these families lived, an area the county's health commissioner referred to as the fringes. As a matter of fact, in the July 28th edition of the local paper, an article published about the outbreaks 
focus more on the lack of staffing and funding for the health department than for the three infant deaths and their grieving families. As a matter of fact, next to this one-column-wide article was placed a three-column-wide photo of a 14-month-old Texas child who had mastered the ability to high-dive. It quoted the proud Dallas dad as saying, I swore up and down that my boy wouldn't be afraid of water. To me, it seemed to be in quite poor taste as three local children were dead because of tainted water. It wasn't until the July 31st death of Levon Helmick, the 22-day-old infant son of Hannah Road residents Martin and Jean Helmick, and the fourth child to die, that the Richland County health officials decided to take immediate action. The next day, Health Commissioner Wayne ordered a full investigation of the Helmick residents to determine if the death was due to the child's premature birth or related to a gastrointestinal infection that caused the death of the three other area infants. City Health Department nurses reported that others in the family had been sick with the malady, including the child's mother. The child's father, Martin Helmick, strongly denied that any other member in the household had been ill and further stated that the infant had been hospitalized earlier in the week for what hospital officials told them was treatment of a liver ailment. In addition to the investigation of the Helmick household, several neighborhood wells were sealed and the entire area was sprayed with the insecticide DDT, which was later banned due to its role in causing death to robins, infertility and peregrine falcons, and because of its detrimental effects on the human nervous and reproductive systems, as well as being discovered as a human carcinogen. Although little seemed to be happening in regards to raw sewage cleanup at the county level in 1949, much was happening at Ohio's state level. In August of that year, the state legislature ordered purification of all Ohio streams due to the dumpage of raw sewage into waterways across the state. And the technical direction of the project was overseen by the Division of Sanitary Engineering at the Ohio Department of Health. This came about as a compact or treaty between Ohio and its neighboring states and called for the building of 80 new sewage treatment plants at the cost of $36 million. The purpose of the plan was to provide for sanitary waterways for sportsmen and for providing safe swimming holes. Chief Engineer F.H. Waring was quoted as saying, we can't give Ohio back to the Indians. The towns and farms and industries of 8 million people are bound to make things different from what they were when only a few thousand savages 
roamed the woods in these parts. Unquote. I must point out that I could find no information regarding requests for funds from the Clean Streams Project to be diverted into safe drinking water wells and sanitary sewers for Ohio's poor neighborhood residents. It wasn't until the death of Mary Elizabeth Twyman, the six-month-old daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Albert Twyman, and the fifth Richland County child to die in just over a month. But interestingly, this family didn't live in the country club allotment number three neighborhood. Due to that fact, city and county health officials opened a new probe into the outbreak because they feared it was now spreading into the city. The Richland County Health Commissioner warned that unless good infant hygiene is practiced in the country club allotment area, there will be more deaths. So with insufficient funds and limited staff available to address the epidemic, county department nurses began home visits within the Little Kentucky neighborhood. And the August 14th edition of the local paper published a nearly full-page spread of pictures showing the nurses inside of area homes demonstrating proper hygiene techniques. In one image, a nurse shows the resident how to drape a net over the infant's crib in order to prevent flies from blowing the child. Another photo shows a nurse teaching the family how to discard a used diaper. One picture shows a demonstration of proper hand-washing techniques. And perhaps the most notable image is of two nurses standing behind a table of necessary items to be used in proper bottle feeding. And as one woman points out each item, the other marks it on a checklist of sorts. The two nurses, Miss Clara Shum and Miss Marjorie Palmer, inform area families as to what is needed to properly bottle feed an infant. Reading directly now from the photo's caption, it states, rubber bands to hold covers over the baby's bottles, a fork to handle the nipples, a fork and knife for measuring out the formula, a can opener to open the canned milk, waxed paper to cover the can of milk after it's opened, nipples, and a jar and cover to keep them in, a measuring cup for measuring the milk or water, a funnel for filling the bottles, the milk and the feeding bottles, a jar of boiled water, a mixing bowl, a pan and lid for sterilizing the equipment used to make the formula, and a tea kettle for boiling the water. Had any of the area homes been equipped with indoor plumbing, these suggestions would have made a positive difference in the lives and well-being of these families. However, the likelihood of any household possessing any or all of these needed items would have been slim to none. Sadly, 
The intervention did little to alleviate the health crisis, and within two weeks of the article, two more infants had died. On August 27th, Sandra Sue Sayers, the two-week-old daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Troy Sayers, and a resident of Little Kentucky, passed away. Two days later, Helen May Kleinage, the nine-month-old daughter of Mr. and Mrs. James Kleinage of Mansfield proper, died at the local hospital. The death cloud lingered over the area for several more weeks. On September 13th, Sterl Hobart Bryant, the six-month-old son of Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Bryant, who resided on Little Kentucky's Warren Road, passed away after a two-day illness. The Bryant infant's death prompted the County Health Commissioner to propose the building of 50 outdoor toilets in the area. Unfortunately, the funds weren't available. However, the board did authorize the hiring of an additional health department inspector to enforce sanitary regulations in the Little Kentucky area. On October 15th, Gary Ray Perry, the two-month-old son of Mr. and Mrs. Burl Perry, became the ninth and final recorded infant to die during the Summer of Sorrow. Several other babies were sickened during that inconsolable season of grief. Suzetta Hiley, the 10-week-old daughter of Mr. and Mrs. James Hiley, six-week-old Carol Critchfield, and four-week-old Larry Gerhardt suffered from the same intestinal illness but were spared the death angel's visit. At the beginning of our episode, we talked about how words become watered down and lose the power of their meaning. In talking with a surviving family member who lost her baby brother that summer, she used words such as heartbroken, depressed, shocked, and devastated to describe the emotions her family felt at that time. She went on to use the words guilt and shame to describe how her parents felt over the loss of their son. In conducting this research, visiting infant graves, and driving throughout that neighborhood in an attempt to grasp the magnitude of these losses, one word repeatedly comes to my mind, and that word is outrage. Please join me next week as I provide an epilogue to this tragic tale. Water down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the stream. Grab a shovel and join me each Monday as we dig a little deeper and uncover the tragedies of watered-down women.
searching for love. No pain in this world, with no help from above.